So in today's episode, we're going to talk about the basic concepts of electrical math and basic electrical formulas that the uh, electricians, as helpers, as journeymen's, the things that we struggle with because it's something we don't do on a daily basis. So there's some some little things to keep in mind and concepts to always keep at the back of your mind so that they're right there ready when you're when you're asked to do maybe it's a simple math calculation it comes to electricians or something even a little more complicated and we're not talking very dramatic formulas at this point we're talking about the things that you need in your daily fundamental type of formulas and concepts for electrical math so that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode You're listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome again to the show here at Electrician Live. And my name is Paul Abernathy, your host, as always. And I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come to our show or listen to us over on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Apple, iTunes. However you listen to the show, we appreciate that you do. Um, so a lot of questions that get brought up uh, as an electrical instructor, as an educator, as the owner of Electrical Code Academy Incorporated um, is I struggle with math. And they they want to put this this math block up, I guess you could say, when it comes to mathematical equations, and they make it really difficult. Now, again, math can be difficult, and there's a lot of complicated formulas in our profession that that you have to be aware of, although you don't have to memorize them. I mean, you can write them in your code book. You can get stickers now that have the formulas on it, like the Ohm's wheel, power wheels, things like that. So we don't have to overcomplicate it, but there are just certain things that just make life a little easier if you learn some of the electrical fundamentals. For example, we deal a lot in numbers. So you'll have whole numbers, you'll have decimals, you'll have conversions to fractions, you'll you'll have percentages that you need to convert down to a decimal so it makes it easier to be able to calculate. Uh, All of those type of things. And we we take these things for granted Uh, in a calculation, for example, whereas if something's 80%, uh, yeah, you can use a calculator that's equipped to do 80%. You just use the 80%. Or you could do uh, the 0.80 as the decimal equivalent to 80%. It just works better in a calculation. So there's many things that you can do. We'll talk about those kind of things today on this episode. Kind of give you a 30,000-foot view of electrical math and things that you need to, to, to be aware of as you start this journey. Or if you're in this journey and you've been doing it for quite a while, then, you know, you probably have, this is kind of old hat for you. Uh, So you're kind of pretty used to it. Uh, Obviously, for an exam, uh, if you're preparing for an electrical exam, whether you're an apprentice, a journeyman, tradesman that's trying to move up in your career, um, you'll take various types of exams, and they'll have all different types of calculations on it. Believe it or not, they'll also have very basic calculations that, in many cases, are pretty easy to to figure out. but you just remember that if they're giving you some value, for example, if they're giving you a, a fraction, then you need to convert that fraction into decimals. And it's pretty simple to do. So one of the first things that we'll talk about today is decimals in general. So when I think of um, displaying different types of numbers, different types of formats, um, I think of things like 0.80, 1.25, 1.732, uh, all those type of 
concepts that people look at and say, okay, what do I do with this? Of course, you know that 0.80 is 80%. We just converted it to a decimal by going from the, the right side of the zero in the 80 and moving it two spaces to the left, which then makes it 0 0.80. Um, or in 125%, we do the same thing. We move it two places to the left from the right side of the five, and it is 1.25. So there's ways to convert this down and be able to do your mathematics a little easier, okay? You know, of course, today, calculators can do pretty much anything. So again, I just explain it as an easy way to get a real good grasp on what your goal is here, and it's to break it down in the lowest common denominator that we can work with in a calculation. Uh, now, sometimes it's not so easy when you come to fractions. So if I have one-sixth, two-thirds, three-quarters, a half, uh, seven and a, and a quarter, or different types of, uh, or seven over two, I should say, uh, then you just remember that you divide the top into the bottom, and that's going to give you your decimal. So if it's one-sixth and you got something in one-sixth and you need to convert it out to the decimal portion, then it's just one divided into six, and it's 0.166. So, again, when you take one-sixth of something, it is 0.166 of something, okay? Uh, if it's uh, three-sixths, now, we probably have learned that three goes into six twice, so it's actually one over two, so it equals a half. But if you're equating that down into decimals, it's much easier to just go three divided by six, and that is 0.5. So it's 0.50, which is decimal represents a half. So, and when you would get the same thing if you divided one into two, okay? So we're working it down into the lowest denominator. And so in this case, you can just shortcut right to it. And, to, and do this type of concept, okay? The, the numerator, which is the top number, and the denominator, which is the bottom number, so you're basically dividing the numerator into the denominator. And you remember that you can break anything down. So if you get some awkward calculation with a seven, and a, a seven over two, for example, then you can just do seven divided into two, and that tells you it's 3.50. And that's just a... Something to remember that anytime you want to take a fraction like that, you can divide it down. It doesn't work all cases, but that's the majority of the cases that you're going to run into. That's how you would convert a fraction down into its decimal. And decimals are much easier to work with, okay? Much easier to work with. Now, dealing with percentages and converting a percentage into a decimal, then we take something like, let's say, it's 35.5%, then you're going to have 35.5, you take the decimal, move it two spaces to the left, drop the percentage, and then you have 35.5, so it's 0.355. That would be your actual decimal value that you can incorporate into the work, okay? So it's just many ways to do that. So examples of that and how I would do this is 32.5%. Move it to decimal two spaces to the left. Then it would be 0 0.325. That is your new value. That's a decimal. You can work with that in the equation. Uh, we hear 80% a lot. And one of the interesting things, if you're in the 2017 code, you'll notice that when you're doing adjustment and corrections, they're, they're both based on percentages, but one gives you the physical percent and then one gives you a value, okay? 0 0.70, point whatever. So it kind of converts that value into it. And we've never really done that over for uh, 31015B3A, which now is 31015C. 
uh, for the 2020, it gives you a value and it just be 70%, 80%, 60 whatever it is, and you have to move the decimal and add the decimals to that. Um, probably a good public input would probably be to just put the decimals in there and treat it just like 31015B uh, and just have it in there. But again, you know that if it's 80% or 70%, you basically start from the right, zero, move two spaces to the left, and point, 80% would be 0. 0.80. Pretty straightforward. Uh, same thing when we run into calculations and we're trying to do continuous load applications, 125%. Um, your calculator, you can add it, but if you have a long equation that you really need to add some other things in there, like adjustment corrections or something, something has to be worked into it. Um, at the end of the day, it's much easier to, again to break that down into the actual uh, numbering system. Uh, and so 125%, again, start from the five on the right, move it two spaces to the left, one point. That is your number that you're going to utilize in your calculation rather than incorporating a percentage value in there. Okay, you with me? Um, So again, dealing with that, it's just so much easier when you see anything that talks about 125%, 250%, same concept. You know, we deal with, you know, transformers, the primary protection maximum, for example. Uh, If it was 250%, then you would go... 250, you take the decimal at the right of the zero, move it two spaces to the left, and it's 2.50. That's the value you're going to use in your calculation, okay? So if if I have a specific ampacity value and I need to increase it 250%, then it would be whatever that ampacity value is times 2.50. Obviously, you can do that times 250%, but again, leaves more margin of error than if you learn how to break it down. And I just want you to know how you break it down and you convert it from percentages down into decimals. We do most of our calculations uh, in a decimal format. And again, same thing comes when you get an example of 80%. You're just going to take that 80%, start at the zero, move two spaces to the left. Now it's 0.80. That's what you're going to figure into your equation. Okay. So it just makes it much easier to, to have to deal with. Now, another thing that people ask is, well, if I'm learning, what are the multipliers? What if I have a percentage increase? So let's say something says that you need to increase it um, and do some kind of, of change. So maybe let's say here, um, let, me, let me give an example. Uh, let's see. So what if um, I had a, a certain demand, a value and I need to increase it? So let's say I have a feeder demand load uh, on a, uh, let's see, a cooktop Uh, and oven, and it has an 8KW demand, uh, and it's required to be increased by 15%, okay? The total calculated load in that equation, because you have a value, and now you're going to actually do some type of calculation. So we have to work it out. Now, again, since we have the 15% listed in the question, we don't really want to work with the 15%. We want to convert that. So, again, you start at the right side of the 15, move it two spaces to the left, so now it's 0.15. And that's our value we're going to have now, so it's 0.15 is the 15%. Now, we're increasing, okay, to the man. So, you add a 1, okay, you, so you with me? You add a 1, and you're going to add it to the 0.15. So, when you're increasing, this basically is going to end up being 1.15. So, you multiply 8 times the multiplier, 1.15. And that equals 9.20 kW. So that reflects the 15%.
So you take your one is representing you actually actual value and you're trying to increase it by 15. Okay. So again, so you can take you, if you're taking a number and you want to increase it by 10%, 15%, 20%, then you need to, first of all, take that percentage, convert it into a decimal format. We kind of talked about how to do that. Then you add a one in front of it. So you're going to add one plus whatever that value is that you're increasing for the percentage. And that becomes a new multiplier. Then you take the existing load, whatever it was, KW, and you're multiplying that by this new multiplier that you created. And that is how you're going to get the increase. Okay. So that's just one example. There are many other ways to do that. But just remember, if you're increasing something, uh, using it to increase the multiplier to increase the percentage, then you want to add, you want to first take and figure out what that percentage is and convert it to a decimal. Then you're going to add a one to that. So again, if it's 20%, you convert 20 to 0.20. You add a one to that. So it's 1.20. So now you take your actual load that you're dealing with because that's what's got to be increased by a certain specific percentage, in this case, 20%. So you take that load times 1.20 equals the new value that has incorporated that increased percentage that you need, okay? So again, very simple to do an increase uh, in order to be able to get it up and, and move up. Generally, that's where your, your problem ends up being is that you need to increase, okay? All right. Uh, the next thing that we kind of talk about in, in, in basic math is understanding what uh, reciprocals are, okay? So you need to find what a reciprocal is to convert a number into fractions, uh, the numerators on the top, denominators on the bottom, uh, and you need to work it out. So number one, you need to convert the number to a decimal value. That's the easiest way for us to always work with these values. Convert it to decimals. Break it down to a decimal. Then divide the value into the number one. Okay, so let's just kind of work some examples here. So let's say I have what is the reciprocal. Now, we're always familiar with this one because I talk about it in all my shows. What is the reciprocal of 80%? Well, the reciprocal of 80% is 125%, but how do you do that? What's a way to do that? Well, I could go to 125 and multiply that by 0.80. Again, we want to break it down into decimals. Um, on your calculator, if you have the function, you could do um, 125 times 80%, and you'll, you'll see uh, what, what happens, okay? But the easiest way to is convert first what you're asking, 80%. What is the reciprocal of 80? So convert that to decimals, 0 0.80. You're probably very familiar with that by now. Now you divide that 0 0.80 into the number 1, okay? So I'm going to do it on my calculator, 1 divided by 0 0.80 equals 1.25. And obviously you've learned that 1.25 is the same as 125%, okay? So again, there's just different ways that you can do this and it, it helps you get a better understanding of working it back and forth. Reciprocals become real important. And of course, the same thing works for 125%. How do you do 125%? Just remember, break it down into decimals, which is 1.25. You already done that. Started from the five, moved it two to the left, 1.25. And again, divide 1.25 into one. 
Okay, so it's 1 divided by 1.25, and that is 0 0.80, which equates to 80%. So again, you can see how this kind of works out. Just remember the 1 is what you divide into the actual decimal value, okay? Not the other way around. Don't go 125 into 1 or 8.80 into 1. It's 1 divided by this value, okay? So that's kind of important to remember, reciprocals. Um, again, probably the one that you're going to, again, use the most in your career is probably just going to be the 80%, which incidentally, in the code, we don't really talk about 80%. We talk about 125 we don't really bring up the 80% very much, which, again, you don't need to because it is the de facto reciprocal of 125. So depending on whether I know the ampacity of the conductor or the load that I'm dealing with or the overcurrent device, I can use it either way because overcurrent devices are limited unless they're rated for continuous use, are limited to 80% for continuous loads. Well, if I'm sizing a conductor for continuous loads, the code will tell me you take the ampacity, which is the actual load, and you multiply that by 125% or 1.25, as we've learned. And that's going to give you a value. Then you go searching for the breaker. Now, by doing that, now if you take the breaker value and you multiply that by 80%, you're going to see that's going to give you your actual load value that you have for your conductor sizing. So it's reciprocal in how it works out. Okay, and a good example of that is, let's say I have 16 amps of continuous load. I mean, that is the load. Are you with me? I mean, that is the load. It's running continuously, three hours or more. So I take that times 1.25, and that is 20 amps. So I'm sizing a breaker to 20. Now, if it's continuous load, the breaker can't be exceeded 80% based on the continuous load. And we get that in 210... Uh, Two, uh, I think it's 210.20 when we're talking, we're talking branch search circuits today, uh, just in this example. And so I get it. No, it's a 20 amp breaker, but I'm limited to 80%. So I do 20 times 0 0.80, and that is 16 amps. So of 16 actual amps of continuous load, I can't exceed that. Just remember that the 25 amps that we throw on it for continuous load is, is kind of mythical. It's not real. It's there to do the protecting of the device because it's considered a continuous load. Just remember that conductors and passive that's given to us in 31015B16 or 31016, that is the load that it can carry under that condition of use indefinitely, under 60, 75, or 90. It can carry whatever those amps are on that table forever, as long as you follow the rules of that table. You're not exceeding 30 degrees C, 86 degrees Fahrenheit as ambient. Um, and you're using insulation that's rated based on the table, 90 degree, 75 degree, or 60, whatever it is. Only thing that changes ampacity, and we have to use adjustment and corrections, is because the conditions of use actually change. And because they change, we have to account for that. And so that's the, the reason why we do all that we do, okay? Kind of uh, getting off topic, we're talking basic electrical math, but things to remember. They're always very, very good to remember. Uh, the next thing we're talking about is squaring, squaring numbers. Uh, so when you see something that says 10 squared, then basically it's 10 times itself, uh, 10 times 10. So 10 squared is 100. Uh, if you see something that is, you know, 24 squared, then you know that it's 24 times 24, 
and that is 576. You with me? So it is anything you see it squared, it's times itself. And we see this a lot in our formulas. So if you've got things like Ohm's wheel, power wheels, um, and it has all these various formulas, and you'll see something, let's say, I squared, uh, then you'll notice that it's whatever the amps are times itself. So in an example, if I have 16 amps, and we're dealing with something that's I squared times R, and we know what the resistance is ohms in a circuit, Maybe we're determining it by wire, so we're going to Chapter 9, Table 8, and we're getting it ohm per 1,000 feet. We're dividing that by 1,000 to get it per feet. Maybe that's, you know, what we're doing. Um, and then, then, of course, then we take that per feet times the number of feet that's given to us in our equation. So we work that all out, and then we plug in the formula. So if it was I squared times R, and the amps are 16 amps, then it's 16 times 16, okay? And that's the concept that we're getting because it's 16 squared. And then, of course, you do that in the formula. You do the I squared times R. So once you know what your resistance is, then you just take 16 times 16 times whatever the resistance is in your calculation. And that's going to give you your total value, okay? And obviously, for this case, I squared R is a power conversion. So we're, using, we're trying to solve for power in watts. So that's how you would get a watts calculation, Okay. Um, another example of that you get from people is what is the area in square inches, square inches of a trade size one raceway. Okay. And with the, if the inside diameter is 1.049 inches, for example, so we want to find out what is the square inches of this value. So what is the formula in times R squared? Okay. So the radius, okay. It, when we're working these these type of equations out, you'll 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 get the radius and R bins and everything will be something that they typically will give to you in the example. But you only have to remember typically is a shortcut is that the radius is usually fifty percent of the diameter. Okay, it's usually what the value. Is. So in our case, if it's one point zero four nine, one point zero four nine uh, divided by two. Uh, is going to give me 0.5245. And I say two because it's easy to remember 50%, right? Uh, you can decimal it out at 0 0.50 and do your math. Um, but I like to break it, break it down and make it simple for this occasion, especially if I'm doing something with diameter for a raceway and I'm looking for square inches. So I want to, I have to find the value for R. Just remember R radius is about 50% of the diameter that's given. And usually it will be in the question. So in this case, it's pi times the radius squared. Now, we know what the radius is. The radius was 0.5245. We took the diameter, divided by two. That gave us the radius, okay? Pretty simple. Now, I like to solve out the equation for the radius. It just makes it easier to solve out the R in your calculation. So, in our case, it's 0.5245 times 0.5245. And that equals 0.2751, okay? So now I can plug in the equation because I've worked it down. So it's 3.14, which is your pi times 0.2751. And that's going to come out to 0.86 square inches. And so that's going to answer my question and provide what is the uh, square inches of that trade size one based on the diameter that is given. So again, 
Easiest way to remember this, if you've got a diameter and it's a raceway and it's round and you're trying to find out what the square inches are, just remember you take the diameter, divide it by two. That's going to give you a value that you're going to square. And if you're using the formula N times R squared, that's where you're going to take the R, again, which is 50% of the diameter, times itself because that's what you're getting with squaring. And that's going to give you value. Then you apply the 3.14, which is the value for pi, okay, times whatever that radius squared value is, and that's going to give you what your square inches is, okay? All right. Um, same example can be utilized. Uh, again, it's widely utilized for people say, how can I determine sizes or the square inches of anything that's round, whether it's a pie. Uh, if I take a pie and I have a pie, and so I say to myself, what is the square inch area of an eight inch pie? Okay, apple pie. So for me, I know to do, okay, well, first thing I have to do is I want to take that eight inches and I'm going to have to do what? I'm going to have to take 50% off of that or 0.50 off of that. So that's four. So it'd be four squared. We're using the same formula. So N, which or the, or the pi symbol, times R squared. So in this case, it was eight inches. We divide that by two, so it's four. So that's going to be four squared, which is four times four is 16. So I'm going to take 3.14 times 16, and that is 50.24. So it's basically 50 square inches, okay? So it's the answer would be 50 square inches. And, of course, on an exam, you'll be given a bunch of stuff. In real life, I'm not so sure why you would care about that. You're going to eat the whole thing anyway, but you should know how to do it. And that is kind of an example of, of how to do it, okay? Now, again, that is very simple. When you're dealing with the circle, okay, pretty, pretty easy uh, to do that. All right, now let's talk about formulas. If you're on an exam or you're learning formulas, we have something that we call parentheses in the flow of how you solve this, okay? So whenever you see numbers that are in parentheses, work the math in the parentheses first, Break it down so that you're working with an actual value. Don't wait to the end. Work it down. Uh, and so start by working the values, filling in the, the, the values, whether it's wanting to know a voltage, maybe it's just a symbol of a V or an E. Plug in what the voltage is. If it gives you, for example, square root of 3, plug in the 1.732, which is the square root of 3. Plug this all in and so that you get a value you can work with at the end. Okay. So an example would be if I had 42,000 watts and that was given to me and it was a 208 three-phase system, it was 42,000 watts, then the first thing that I'm going to do is say, well, what formula do I use? Okay, well, to solve the I, it's P because we have watts over E or V times 1.732. However your school uses it or however you're used to, whether you use V or E, both voltage. And so in this case, we're using to solve on our power wheel, we're solving or we're solving for amps. And this, since we're given the power, it's easier to solve it with this formula. So again, it's watts divided by E times 1.732 or watts divided by V times 1.732. Of course, the formula is going to be in parentheses underneath it. So you have, because now it's just showing you an E or a V times a, a symbol of square root of three. You need to break it down. Always remember to do that. And the question is giving you everything you need to know. 
It's three-phase, so you know you're going to use 1.732. It's 208 volts that's given to you, so you know what the voltage is. And it gave you the watts. So you simply take the watts, stick it at the top, and underneath, you draw a line like, a, like you're doing division. Um, or maybe create like a fraction, if you will. Uh, 3,600 watts goes at the top, and you have a line, and underneath it, break it down. Take the 208 volts times 1.362. And in that case, when you do that, that breaks it down to 360. Now you have two basic formulas that you can work with. So then you take 336,000 and you divide that into 360 and that gives you 100 amps. So we solved for amps based on the fact that we were given uh, the power. We were given the fact that it was three phase and we were given the fact that it was 208. Okay. Now, if it was single phase uh, and 240, uh, then you just don't need to use the 1.732. Okay, and there's probably going to be no conversion that needs to take place. Okay, just remember, solve what's in the parentheses first to get it down to its lowest denominator before you work the equation. Okay, if you get an example that is parentheses plus a parentheses and it has numbers in it, work each parentheses all the way down to its final value, and then it makes it much easier to add the two values together. It doesn't matter whether you're multiplying two separate parentheses values. Break it down in the lowest common formula, down to the lowest number first, and then work your math. It just makes it so much easier uh, to be able to do this, okay? All right. That's just a tip to remember as you're moving through anything with parentheses. Much easier to solve it uh, individually. Work the parentheses out, okay? The next thing we'll kind of talk about is square rooting. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, do not try to do square rooting manually on your own. It can really mess you up. Use the feature on your calculator, okay? If I want to do 36 and I want to square root that, it's 6. Basically, it's equivalent to 6 times itself. So it's the opposite of uh, when you're doing a calculation and you're doing the square root of something, Uh uh, or you're actually doing the trying to find the square root of something. Uh, when I see something that is three squared, it's basically three times itself. Okay, so it's basically the squaring factor. Well, and I see something that has 36, for example, or 42, then it's much easier to do. Uh, if you did 42, it's tougher because there's no straight equation. Whereas six, uh, 36 is easy. Six times six is 36. Okay, Uh, 16 is easy. Four times four is 16. But when you get a number that they give you with the square root symbol over it, it's not so easy to be able to square root that out. So use your calculator. Don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Um, Just remember in learning electrical that when you're doing square rooting, if you're dealing with the square root of three, it's 1.732. And that's just the, the easy way to remember it, and, and, and it really won't screw you up too much to remember that the, that's how you're doing with, with the square root of 3, okay? Now, if you happen to have some weird equation where you need the square root of 2, <laughs> then it's simple, 1.41, uh, but most of the time, you're going to be dealing with either single phase, which doesn't deal in this, in this value, square rooting necessary, or you're just going to get three phase, and you just remember what that is, okay? 
Pretty pretty simple to remember that 1.732 is going to be the, the important factor. Now, what would we use that for? So let's say I'm doing transformer primaries and it's 480, and then we have a secondary, it's 208, 120, for example, uh, and I want to know the VA of it. So I can take the uh, transformer. If I know what the VA is of the transformer, uh, let's say it's 50 kVA transformer primary, and I know the voltage is 480, so I need to work that value out, the formula, uh, for me, it's so much easier to take um, the rather than have the top be the, the KVA and then the bottom have a formula, which is going to be the voltage times 1.732. Just remember, if it's three phase in this transformer, for example, primary, that when you're dealing with 480, that you're going to do 480 times 1.732 and that's 831.36. And it's considered acceptable to just use 831. So that's your multiplier. So in my case, it'd be 50,000, if that's what the KVA was, uh, divided by 831, and that is 60.168, and that is my amps, okay, on the primary side. And I can do the exact same thing on the secondary side, uh, remembering that 208 is going to be just like we said, it's 208 times 1.732, which is 360, so that's your multiplier. So it's 50,000, again, that's what the transformer, the VA doesn't change from primary to secondary. And I'm going to multiply that by 360. And so there you see it's 138.8 on the secondary. So it's lower on the primary, higher voltage, okay, lower current. Secondary, lower voltage, higher current, okay. And that's how you would calculate. So it's important to remember 1.732 is the square root of 3 anytime you're dealing with three-phase application. And that is probably the most you're ever going to have to, to deal with something like that. Okay, is remembering the square root of three. It's important. 1.732, especially anytime you're dealing with any calculation. Okay, that has to do with three phase. Something to just just to remember. Okay. All right. So the next thing that we talk about is when you're doing box fill. In box fill, you're going to have a lot of calculations and things that deal with volume. And you need to be able to calculate what the volume is of a box. Uh, now, of course. 314.16 for metal boxes, the pretty common ones, standard boxes, all your values are given there, and you can just look at them. And then, of course, um, also when you're dealing with the, the little table in 314.16 is talking about conductors that create a certain value of cubic inch. And so they equate to the box. But if you wanted to calculate out what the cubic inches of a box is, then and it, or it asks you this question, then you need to know that volume has dimensions that you have to determine by multiplying the length, by the width, by the depth of the enclosure in order to obtain a volume of something. Now, a lot of times we'll take something and people will actually fill it up with water uh, and they'll fill it up and then they'll pour that water out and then they'll measure that water and that gives them the volume. Now, we can do that in electrical by simply giving us dimensions. So if I have a typical four by four by one and a half inch um, box, square box, then what would be the values that we want to, to work on? Okay, so one of the things that we have to remember in this calculation is remember what we said earlier? We just don't want to go and do four times four times four and one and a half. That's, we need to convert this down to a value. 
So since we have the half, we can do one divided into two, and that's 0.5, and then we take the original one. So that would be 1.50. So you see we took the half and we converted it to a decimal, and then we added the one because it was one and a half depth, one and a half inches deep. So we converted it. Now it's 1.50. Now you might already know when you see one and a half that it's 1.5, and that's fine. You're, you're, you're tapping on your knowledge that you've learned. Um, so when we do that, now we can formulate the equation and it's four by four by 1.50, and that equals 24 cubic inches. So that is what the volume is of that box based on the, the, the length, the width, and the depth of that box. And so we can answer that question. So again, remember, volumes, we need three dimensions, okay? So uh, again, difference between calculating out some areas versus volumes, okay? That volume is the area that it takes up in the box itself, okay? All right. A uh, couple other things to remember in your exams, and we'll wrap this one up for today, is when you see the K, say 8KW, 8KVA, the K is kilo. The K refers to 1,000, okay? So just remember that. So anytime you see something, it says KWKVA, uh, then it is a thousand. So whatever that number is, thirty. That would be thirty thousand. If it's VA, it'd be thirty thousand VA. If it was thirty KVA, it would be thirty thousand VA. If it's thirty KW, then it is thirty thousand watts. And don't let that screw you up if you're trying to to take an exam. Okay. Uh, now, if you get some load that's less than a thousand, for example, like three hundred watts or four hundred watts or whatever then you have to convert it so you take whatever the watts are and you divide it by 1,000 because 1,000 is your base, right? That's what the K means for kilo. Okay, so in this case, if it's 400, then you're divided by 1,000, and that tells you it's a 0.40 okay, KW. Okay, if, it's, if the question asking you what the KW is, it's 0 0.30, 0 0.40, 0 0.50, what it would be, that is your value in KW. And obviously, it's less than 1. Okay, because it's point, you know, zero point. But the question's asking you for a certain KW value, so you want to be able to make you make sure you solve for whatever the question asks you. Okay. Um, now rounding off, we'll, we'll end up on rounding off. Um, other than when the National Electrical Code tells you in two twenty, for example, that if you got a point five or greater, that you round up. Um, and if you have something that's below 0.5, say 0.4 or less, that you round down. Um, typically, there's not a whole lot of rules uh, for this, uh, except for, you know, we do have this in calculations in 220 when we're doing service and feeders and applications like that. So, again, rounding it can be as much as when you see anything that's going to have multiple decimal points, so say 0 0.12, uh, 1245, then since it's one, two, four, five, if you're rounding off to three points, then it would be one, uh, point one, two, five. You, you're taking the five and you're bumping up the four because it is, it is five and higher. That's an example of that. Uh, anytime I've got point nine, nine, point nine, eight, point nine, seven, whatever of something, then you're going to round up to the next whole number. Um, so again, that's just kind of now, anytime I might have three fifty point to eight, okay, then in that case, um, I would 
round it down because even the 0.28 would round it to 0.3. It's still going to be less than 0.5. So it's 0.4 less. You're going to round down. So that would be 367. Okay. Uh, the only other tip I'll give you with this is when you're dealing with an actual load or when you're working a calculation out that says, hey, how many circuits do I need in the house? And you calculate it out and it says you need 3.3 circuits. That is not under a calculation. That's a physical how many circuits do I need. You can't reduce, you can't round down to circuits that you actually need. If I calculate the number of receptacles or number of branch circuits that I need in a house, for example, then I need a certain number of branch circuits. If it calculates out to 3.3, I can't drop that. Now, if you're doing a load calculation in, in uh, Article 220, then, it, then you can because it tells you you can do that. But when you're doing physical circuits and design, if it says I need 3.2 circuits, then I can't have a 0.2 of a circuit. So I've got to jump up to, to the next number, okay, the next whole number. Okay, So if it says I need 3.2 circuits, then I know that I need four circuits. Okay, So that's a physical thing. When you're doing load calculations, it specifically gives you in, in Article 220, which is where we deal with calculations, it gives you the ability to round down if it's less than 0.5, round up if it's 0.5 or greater, okay? And that's for a load calculation. Making sure that you you do not screw it in your mind the two, okay? All right, just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Um, also, anytime that you see something in your learning studies that mentions the word sum, the sum is basically a fancy way of saying, add these things all up, okay? That's what, basically what it's saying is if the sum of this, uh, like, for example, it takes the largest motor at 125% and then take the sum of the other motors, FLC, that are in the same group, then you're just literally taking the FLC from each of the other motors that are in the same group and adding them up. That's what what sum means, okay? So I don't want anybody to get outside of the scope. So that's kind of the sum. So those are the basic concepts of math formulas. We can obviously go into a little more detail, but that is your basic formula summary. And hopefully you got something out of that and been able to use that in, in, in how you study and prepare. Again, electrical is not an easy easy thing. I mean, there's a lot of little stuff to learn. Those are just some basic formulas to think about so that when you're preparing for an exam and, or in the real world, knowing how to convert things down makes it much easier to be able to do the work. Okay. So those are just some basic formulas. Hope you got something out of that folks till next time. Stay safe. God bless. You've been listening to electrician live with your host, Paul Abernathy.